You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at The Athletic Wisconsin. And joining me as always is my good friend and the founder of BrewHoop.com, Frank Madden. Our summer sabbatical is over. We, we, are, we are all sabbaticaled out. We are, uh, or actually I shouldn't even say we, like I was the one that was vacationing and uh, not as glued to... Uh, I guess just media in general, um, whether it was social or radio or TV or anything like that. Um, so I, I am done traveling. I'm getting back into, uh, the real world, like back to thinking about basketball. The NBA season is by the time this podcast drops on Wednesday, 48 days away, obviously preseason, even shorter than that training camp, even shorter than that. So we are, Getting closer and closer to the actual season, that means we can start thinking about basketball all over again, and that sounds pretty good to me. So, with all that being said, it's been a couple of weeks. Frank, my friend, how are you? Uh, I'm good. I've I've been uh, you know working through some uh, some FIBA stuff uh, that's been started up over the past couple of weeks. There's been uh, a number of the Greek friendlies were on the FIBA YouTube channel, and then uh, now all the FIBA World Cup games are on. ESPN three. I, by the way, I was shocked that the first US game was not. I I didn't. It didn't seem like it was available on any like satellite or or cable channel. Like of all the same thing. This same thing this morning as well. Yeah, like I I figured at least US games would be you know, especially given they're at like seven mm-hmm. in the morning, right? Like really, you can't find a random ESPN channel to throw it on. I don't know. Um, so I was a little surprised by that, but that's fine. I you know whatever. I've got my Roku and my phone that i can watch uh, watch games on actually i uh, uh when we traveled a month ago with my daughter on a plane for the first time in a year <clears throat> um we had bought an ipad especially for that purpose hoping it might distract her and uh she really has not been that interested in the ipad but i actually did watch uh, a game the other day the first grease game i watched on my daughter's ipad uh so it got some some mileage out of that um but yeah so actually you know watching a little bit of basketball although uh, we're recording this on Tuesday night. Um, I I was traveling this morning during both the U.S. and Greece games, um, or sorry, the U.S. and Turkey and Greece games, uh, since the best player was actually neither Greek or American uh, this morning who, of among the Bucks players, uh, ironically. But um, but yeah, so getting you know getting a little back into uh, the basketball swing of things. Um, although I I will uh, start off with disclaimer that I put very little if any weight into what happens at these tournaments uh into kind of my expectations for the milwaukee bucks this year so i'll start with that kind of broad caveat but um you you actually uh got to see this actually i won't say up close because 
you were in <laughs> what seemed like a million miles away when you went to Australia and actually saw the Australian and U.S. national teams play one another. Um, but you actually have uh, some a very unique, more much more interesting experience than me watching uh, international basketball on my iPad. Uh, tell us about the the big trip down under and seeing uh, international basketball half a world away. Yeah, I mean it was it was pretty interesting to me uh, because I mean it, it's just a it's just a different world and. I think watching this U.S. team, I mean, watching any of these teams is different, but it is just just kind of a different game. And just going to all the, you know, the Team USA practices and stuff like that, uh, it was sort of fun to watch the different ways in which the players kind of went through all of this. So, like, after every Team USA practice, the like the trio of... Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and um, Kyle Kuzma. And I think Marcus Smart when he was there, um, but he wasn't there for the some of the games um, when he was real healthy. Like those guys after practice would do like uh, King of the Hill, King of the Mountain, whatever you want to call it, um, where you, you just go one-on-one and you get like a dribble and you have to be able to make a basket or get a stop or, or whatever whatever it is. And it, it was just interesting to watch them do that. And then, like, some of the other guys would do shooting drills. And, like, Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez were, like, the, the bigs wouldn't do something like that. Uh, Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez were just doing, like, their normal shooting drills that you would see, um, you know, when the media gets let in during a Bucks practice. And I don't know, like just thinking through all of those different things, like uh, the guards didn't do that. Like Kevin Walker and Diamond Mitchell didn't do that. And it, it was just like, okay, like the young guys have, uh, I don't want to say a bunch of energy, but like are still like, ah, oh, you know, I have something to prove and, you know, I'm going to do that. And then just thinking from like a broader perspective as well, it, it was funny to talk to, uh, you know, like Steve Kerr is one of the, the assistants there, Lloyd Pierce, talking to them and, you know, talking to Brooke Lopez a little bit or talking to Brooke Lopez and then talking to Greg Popovich a little bit about Brooke Lopez. Like it's funny to think that this year Brooke Lopez kind of proved to be, I think what most of the league is after in the center position where he's bombing away from the three point line. He's able to protect the rim. And um, now when this U S team is playing, like, you you don't really play like that in FIBA. Uh, you that that isn't how this is and the US team doesn't have a, a Giannis to put four shooters around. They just have a, a more traditional team. And then the passing from bigs is so big in FIBA basketball. You look at Jokic, you look at Bogut, um, that it's kind of weird now to see Brook Lopez with his back to the basket. Like that's, that's kind of what it is, but it's not him posting up. It's like him getting the ball at the top of the key and team USA trying to run dribble handoffs off of him. And it's just like, this is just watch it. It's just like, it's just a weird form of it, of, of, I shouldn't say a weird form, but a weird form for NBA players to be playing. And it, it's just, I don't know. I think it's kind of weird to, to watch Brooke Lopez play like this. And I mean, I think it makes some sense that he's struggling to find a spot in the rotation and 
you know, struggling with his shot at times because this isn't at all the way that he played in Milwaukee. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think with Brooke too, I don't know, like I, I view him even just being there as a sort of this like kind of cool novelty thing. Um, and obviously the fact that it's a World Cup and not an Olympics, which at least in the U.S., you, people just don't obviously I mean, just look at who was willing to play this summer. I mean, obviously there's just not as much import put on the World Cup versus the Olympics. And, um, you know, obviously the perception is is that this group is kind of, you know, basically the leftovers of people who are willing to show up. Um, so it's maybe it doesn't carry the same honor that it once did. But, but I think even so, even before there was that big exodus, I mean, we kind of looked at the roster and said, man, center-wise, Brooke has a really good chance of making this roster. Um, and so I think it's just sort of like a cool thing. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, you know, Brooke's personality, I mean, I think in Milwaukee, everybody knows. I mean, you know, I mean, look at that. Austra- look at, look at the, what it was against when the, they played Canada and Australia and, you know, Brooke Lopez momentarily became the prime minister of, of Australia or whatever they have in Australia as their head of state. Um, you know, <laughs> it, it's, it's, I think it's, it seems like it's been a fun experience for him. Um, and you know, if he plays a role, it's just kind of gravy, you know, even if, um, you know, Miles Turner and, uh, uh, the assorted Plumlee brother that, that, uh, by the way, Mason Plumlee being on multiple team USAs has got to be one of the weirdest, like historical quirks of, of these national team selections. Right. I mean, that's, that's really strange. I feel like, um, yeah, but, uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean like him, you know, not playing a big role, I think is, is fine. Whatever. As you said, it's, it's just a different environment for him, uh, especially because the U.S. just doesn't have like they really don't have like an alpha guy who needs spacing because they're generally the guys they're wanting to give the ball to are kind of more shooter type guys anyway. So it definitely is a different dynamic than than what he sees in Milwaukee. But um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, like I said, I don't put much weight on kind of anything that happens in FIBA and you know with Brooke not playing a big role, that's eh, fine. Whatever. Just if he doesn't play a lot of minutes, I I'm cool with that. Um, you know, we haven't mentioned it so far, but, you know, goes without saying the, the number one result we're looking for as much as we want, you know, our, our guys from the bucks to, to do well, and we're rooting for them personally. Um, just don't get hurt. Right. Right. I mean, that's, that's the main thing. And with Brooke, um, especially given that, you know, he's the oldest, well, I'm, again, I'm forgetting about her son, but you know, Brooke is obviously older than Giannis, older than Chris. Um, you obviously, you know, don't want him, to rack up any unnecessary mileage. Um, I'm, I'm just fine with him playing a limited role. And, you know, again, in, in different ways that you can make that argument for, for Giannis as, 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 as he is now facing elimination with, with the, with the Greek team, you know, there's a silver lining to, to Giannis potentially getting knocked out early, even though I'm always going to root for him with Greece. Um, because obviously as, as a fan of a, an, of their NBA team, it is a bit of a weird thing rooting for these guys and trying to figure out like how much does any of this matter. Yeah, and I mean, you kind of saw today with Jason Tatum twisting his ankle late. Again, it sounds like it's just going to be an ankle sprain, but it's, you know, there there is something to be said about being in any competitive situation, any situation where there's pressure put on you, like Tatum had at the end of regulation where he had to go to the line to take some free throws, like, that is a situation that you want guys to go through. And if you're thinking about your NBA team, you're thinking, 
hey, you know, if he can get some reps as a clutch shooter and it doesn't actually matter for my team, like it doesn't actually matter for the Milwaukee Bucks or it doesn't actually matter for the Boston Celtics, like that's probably a good situation to be in. And I mean, you saw Chris Middleton knock down two free throws uh, that won Team USA the game uh, in overtime. You saw him miss a three at the end of regulation that would have won the Bucks the game. Like, all right, but that would have won Team USA the game. So it, I, I think, in some ways, it's like, okay, that's cool that those guys get to go through it, and that's probably ultimately helpful for their their development, their comfort in those situations. But also, well the opposite can happen where you are going through those situations and then you get hurt. And uh, that, that is really, I think the, the tough balance that you, you got to kind of try to hope guys can find where you just cross your fingers and hope that they don't get hurt seriously. And then you also hope that in the moments that they're there, they get the most possible out of it, that they're able to really feel like, you know, they've been through some things. They've played with pressure. They've played, uh, you know, maybe a couple different positions. Uh, they, they've been able to do some different things that they don't normally do with your team that may prepare them for the regular season. But, yeah, don't get hurt is the big one. And, you know, as far as the four bucks participating in the World Cup go, uh, Brooke Lopez is probably going to have the easiest job of doing that just because he's not, he's not really playing a whole lot. Uh, but – you know, Chris Middleton, I think, is going to end up being a key bench player for Team USA. He he has been these last two games. Uh, in the second game, he ended up leading the team in points with 15, which, I mean, speaks to how many players Greg Popovich is, is still playing. Um, but, you know, 15 points in ni- 19 minutes, that's, that's a pretty solid outcome. And I, I think he's going to become a pretty important player. Obviously, the Greeks uh, are going to lean on Giannis. Well, Actually, maybe not. We can talk about that in a second. Uh, and then the Turks are going to uh, they're going to lean on or something like that. And we saw that uh, today as well as he I think he had 23 and 15. Uh, <laughs> if, if I got that right against Team USA. Um, so those three guys like are going to play. I'm not going to say a lot of minutes, but even in a 40 minute game, like they might end up playing 25, maybe 30 minutes in a game and that is going to increase their injury risk. So uh, that's really the thing you have to worry and think about with all these guys. And uh, you know, I don't, you can't really do anything more than just hope for the best. Yeah. Maybe we, um, we can just go player by player and kind of just do kind of like the, the rundown to date and whether there's any significance to anything. Um, And we start with Giannis. I mean, so uh, I mean, starting, I guess today uh, the Greeks, Really struggled to get him involved. He finishes with just 13 points on seven total shots in what I think 28, 29 minutes or so. Um, takes only one shot in the fourth quarter. Didn't even really seem to get him involved um, until it is. It is legitimately like some some Jason Kidd 2015 stuff. Yeah, like, where it's just like, oh, you know, you know what's the best place for this guy that can't shoot? The corner. Just put him in the corner. That that makes sense. He never does that. Or like they're trying to. Uh, I mean, there's times it feels like they're trying to use him like he's like just Clint Capella, like man. a rim running, yeah, yeah. like a rim running big. Which like again, he if in, if he was in the NBA and all he could do was rim run, he would likely be the best rim running big in the league. But 
if Nick Calathis can't handle two defenders being around him and can't throw a ball towards the rim for Giannis, well, then what is what is the goal of him rim running? Like, if no one on the Greek team can actually make the pass, then you're just having him run down the middle of the floor and hoping that he draws enough attention that you can swing it, kind of skip it to the other side of the floor where the helper comes from and get a three. And to the the to the the Greek team's credit, like that did happen. Guys did knock down some threes in that situation. But uh, you know, if the if the vertical threat is not actually there with the alley oop or a finish in the middle because you can't deliver that pass, then uh, yeah, I don't I don't know. It, it it's a it's it's pretty jarring to kind of watch uh, the way that Giannis is used and to see kind of the couple of plays where he just grabs a rebound and is just like, screw this. I got this. And just like goes through traffic and then ends up, even if he does get see three or four defenders like he does in the league, he'll kick it out and the Greek team gets a good shot. And it's just like, I, I get him as a rim running big, but also uh, he dribbles the ball all the time. That that's that's the thing. Like the offense is built around him in Milwaukee, and it it is definitely not that case uh, with the Greek team. Yeah, I mean uh, the Greeks don't have the kind of lights out shooting that you'd want with Giannis. I mean, we you know, obviously talked for a long time about the box finally sort of building that that offense that was built to you know complement his skill set with having all their shooters. And uh, the Greeks don't, even though I mean you always think of like kind of international teams, European teams, like oh that's just a bunch of like shooters, right? Like that's a stereotype of <laughs> European basketball. Um, but that's not really how the Greek team is, is built necessarily. Um, you know, Borussis, their, their one big man is actually a pretty good shooter from the perimeter. Um, so kind of gives the, uh, you know, uh, poor man's uh, Greek version of, of Brooke Lopez, I, I guess, uh, with, with far less mobility than even Brooke. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, they're not built that way. And, and again, just international game is just like they're, you know, the, the three point line is in a little bit. Everything's a little bit more congested than I think we're used to seeing in the NBA. Um, and, you know, Nick Calathis, their point guard, who I think is generally regarded as a very good international point guard, he's not really a, a three point shooter either. Um, and so it creates this weird dynamic where I, and this is something I saw in, in a lot of these warm up games before the World Cup even started. Whereas you said, it just ends up being a lot of Giannis looking to set screens for Nick Calathis, rolling to the rim, not getting the ball. And I know when I would watch, I mean, he was still getting a fair number of shots because they would run those cross screens to get him post looks. And so it was just a lot of like post up Giannis, like, as well as obviously just doing stuff in transition. Oh my God, um, the, them running. I, I think I described it on Twitter today as the one set every middle school team has for the kid that hit his growth spurt earlier than everyone else, where it's legitimately just a cross screen in Giannis ceiling in the middle of the lane is just hilarious. It is, it is unbelievable that that is the, the best, the best idea you have for how you can get (laughs) one of the most dynamic players in the NBA, the ball, like, hmm, you know what? Maybe a cross screen in a seal. Yeah, that could work. Like, it's just like, come on. Like, that can't be as good as you can think of. Well, apparently it is. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but I mean, interestingly, it wasn't as pronounced. I mean, this, these issues weren't as pronounced in previous games. And um, 
you know, they did lose a warm-up game against Serbia. Uh, Jokic didn't play in that game, but I mean, Serbia is is a pretty stacked team. I mean, I I think there's probably a lot of smart people putting money on Serbia to win this World Cup, even to beat the U.S. I mean, we've seen them give the U.S. problems in in previous tournaments when the U.S. had a much stronger team. And now, I mean, I think I, I want to say Jokic came off the bench the other day in a game, in a game and that they won by like a billion points. Um, so they're 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 a very good team. But but yeah, I mean, losing to Brazil. And I here's here's my thing, though, that I find kind of interesting. So first off, I'll, I'll say this to Giannis. Uh, he's nine out of nine from the free throw line in the actual World Cup. He had some pretty meh free throw shooting in some of the warm up games. Um I hit some threes, but you know, again, I, again, I, I'm I'm over like trying to dissect every Giannis three point shot and trying to talk about how his release is better or worse or whatever. I mean, you know, again, we'll see if there's any difference when he once he gets back with the Bucks in an NBA offense where he's kind of used to things. But uh, again, I'm 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 not going to fall into the summer trap of guessing whether a guy who hasn't previously shot well before now suddenly can shoot. Um, and I'm, I'm thinking of you, uh, Sixers fans looking at Bill Simmons or Ben Simmons taking random jump shots in some pickup games. Um, so yeah, I mean, whatever. While, just wait. while, while we're there, Frank, um, I, this summer I've been able to play pickup uh, when I'm not on vacation, semi-regularly. Can we get you a highlight reel of you hitting th- NBA threes that we could convince people? I'm telling you right them? now, if you get to cut out the five best plays that I have in each pickup run, I think I could convince you I am a good NBA three-point shooter. <laughs> like, I shoot a lot of unnecessarily deep threes uh, when I play pickup, largely because I'm lazy and I don't want to actually run to the line. Um, I think we could do it. Uh, again, I, I, I don't know if I really want to bring a camera crew to any of my runs, but if we did, I feel confident that you would, if you previously thought I couldn't shoot from NBA range, you may be convinced that I could just by having one of those highlight reels. We got to make this happen. I think is is uh, is what I'm hearing. But um, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so so I don't know. I mean, again, like with Giannis, more so than any of these other guys, it's all health. And he did sit out. I believe it was the last game of um, Greece's kind of warm ups with, uh, I believe, what they termed irritation in his knee, uh, which again I just assume is you know that pesky old right knee that has obviously given him kind of you know occasional issues and forced him to sit out games you know here and there for the last you know really well for for years basically at this point so that's that's not great um and that's obviously again you would have loved to see him not play actual games just to at least mentally feel like he's not straining himself i don't i don't know i can't say for sure that these you know the greek prep and and warm-up games actually is better or worse than than what he would have been doing um you know in in just sort of like regular summer workouts but it is what it is like we we know he had to at least sit out one game if you guys recall a couple years ago he um had to leave the greek team after the bucks uh basically flew suki hobson out to uh china i believe it was um and had him look at his knee and decided that it you know it wasn't worth him playing and it became a big big stink with the uh the greek federation who uh Let's just say they're not looking that great right now. Uh, if they, I mean, if if they fail to qualify for for the knockout stage with Giannis, and he's like, you know, they can't figure out how to get him involved. Like, Jesus Christ! I mean, like that's just going to be a disaster for whoever's name is uh, is uh, you know uh, in in whatever 
position of power uh, at the Greek Federation. I'm not even going to bother Googling it. So anyway, we'll that's that. that. So while we're while you brought that up, I just want to ask: like, do you think this is? I don't even know how to say this. Like, do you think this is a spot where, if it does go poorly, if they do get eliminated in group play, if they do truly have no idea how to use it, like if they're using him as a glorified Clint Compella without a great passer, without someone that can actually get on the ball, like, do, do you think it's enough? And I mean, this is pure speculation. We have no idea. Um, do you think that's enough for Yas to just be like, you know what? I don't need to represent my country anymore. Like if you, if you idiots don't understand that I'm the best player in the NBA and aren't willing to use me in that way, like why would I do this? Because there was the, the final chance that they had, he, he's set, he's getting ready to set a screen. He reads the play perfectly. He puts the, the finger up to like Kalathis know that he's going to go for the alley-oop and Hey, throw it. Kalathis throws it a second and a half late. He throws it too low. Uh, Bruno Caboclo was able to go get it and like make a play. And you watch Giannis like it, 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 he's not able to complete the the alley oop. Ball's loose. He has to go foul because no other Greeks go over to foul. He falls out of the game, and you can just like see him sitting on the floor, just kind of like sort of looking in Kalathis's direction, but also just kind of looking out into the world. And I, I just have to feel like in that moment, he was thinking like, come on. It was a sideline out-of-bounds play, an alley-oop, a cut that I made perfectly, and you couldn't, th- like, I, I can get it at 13 feet. You just have to put it near the rim and throw it at the right time, and I'm going to get a dunk. And that that was all I could end up thinking about today. It was just like, I don't want to say that's the this these are the last games that he plays for the Greek team, but man, I just can't imagine much else going through his mind in that moment other than, are you serious? You screwed up an alley oop to me, like that? How? How did yeah, you? I do think that? the interesting thing is is I don't think Giannis would. I, I I'm still I think Giannis is too proud. I think his country means too much to him. Um, to turn down like a chance to play like in the Olympics or the World Cup. I don't know. Maybe the Eurobasket becomes the tournament that maybe is, I don't know. And I'm, I'm totally guessing. I don't know. If, uh, you know, I'm just picking the other major tournament that, that I'm aware of. Um, but the the flip side is, I mean, teams don't always qualify for, for, for the Olympics. Teams don't always qualify for the World Cup. I mean, uh, Luka Doncic is not in the World Cup. They they won Eurobasket a couple of years ago, but they didn't automatically qualify for the World Cup. And I, I don't know the exact details around it, but I know that's been kind of a source of controversy that the Eurobasket winner from two years ago is not in the World Cup. So, um, and I think what was it? Uh, was it? A, am I making this up? Was it a few years ago that Giannis that they, that Greece had to go through like a midsummer t- t- pre-Olympic tournament thing to qualify for the Olympics, and they didn't make it? I think or something like that. I, it could be could be wrong but it's uh, it's uh, september and my my research skills are are not going to get tapped into right now but um but i mean i think that's the thing right i mean he's not going to be participating in like random qualifying and um if greece is like such a mess that they can't potentially even qualify for some of these tournaments going forward then i mean he's not going to build them <laughs> he's not going to build them out on the random off summers right yeah. so it, it is a weird it is a weird situation um and so again i i imagine um, unless there's something really messed up, 
going on with uh, with the federation or coaches or whatever. And again, Giannis is the guy. I mean, he you know seemed to like Jason Kidd for crying out loud. We know that he's very tolerant of coaches. Um, <laughs> I, I would I would be very surprised if he would go so far as to like basically like turn his back on them. But the flip side is as well, you know, up until now, this is the first year Giannis has been part of an NBA title contender. And that obviously I think will also sort of change the calculus a little bit too. Now, he also said he would have traded his MVP for a FIBA World Cup title. I think he might 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 certainly have been willing to do that because that would be a tremendous accomplishment for the Greeks. And, you know, trading an individual honor for a team honor is the kind of thing that Giannis and I think a lot of other Europeans in particular would, would happily do. Um, but yeah, I think it's an interesting thing. And I I will say this, I mean, selfishly as a Bucks fan, I mean, I'm going to be rooting for Giannis to play great in the next game and advance and go as far as he can. Um, but from a purely selfish Bucks perspective, is the best case scenario that Greece doesn't make it past the group stage, Giannis gets to rest the rest of the month or, you know, quote unquote rest, right? He can go back, basically focus on preparing for the season, doing kind of the more skill-based stuff, physical stuff, making sure his knee is fine, whatever. Um, is the best case scenario that he, you know, uh, Greece basically like flops, Giannis leaves the tournament pissed off and motivated to basically take his revenge out on the NBA. Yeah, that's probably, you know, maybe the best best case scenario if you're purely looking at it from a Bucks fan. We'll see what happens. Um, but again, especially with, you know, the MVP of the league, it's um, it's obviously a, a, a lot of questions are going to be raised, largely of the Greek probably coaching and, you know, the approach there. But, but and also of Giannis too. I mean, look, like if the MVP can only get one shot in the fourth quarter of a game, um, you know, it underscores some of the, you know, some of the criticisms of Giannis that like he's not a guy that just can get the ball and just go make baskets for himself. I mean, we know he can, but if your team can't even like realize to do that, I mean, it's not like it's completely on on them either, right? I mean, he's got to figure out ways to kind of inflict as well. Um, and, you know, again, I, I, I let's just say this. It was very interesting that the Brazilian coach basically said Anderson Verjao, I believe he used the phrase, kicked his ass. Um, oh no, it's it's even worse than Anderson Verjao. It is uh, his last name was Garcia. I'm trying to Alex Garcia, uh, thirty the thirty nine year old Alex Garcia, six foot four, uh, was covering Giannis in, in the in the first half. So uh, anyway, I guess if you're the Brazilian coach, you can afford to poke the bear because you're probably never going to have to see the bear again. Um, but uh, it, it would be fun. It'd be I mean we know how Giannis is like. Sometimes, you know, when he has these bad games, you kind of watch him, you're just like, man, has have, have, has his team X, like, figured something out, right? Like, is it, is, is they've, have they cracked the code on how to slow him down? And then he inevitably comes back and does Giannis things. And um, so I, I'm guessing there's pretty much no chance that he's going to see Brazil again in this tournament. Um, but it would be fun just because, uh, yeah, you, I, I mean, nope, I don't think anybody's gone to the, the lengths of, uh, of what the Brazilian coach did in terms of, shit talking Giannis after uh, after beating them um so uh so yeah that's uh some interesting subtext but you can imagine Giannis um whatever happens in their next game he is going to come out very motivated I believe it's Thursday morning um so if we don't see I, I mean let's say this I would be very surprised if the Greeks don't go to him a lot more often and he isn't playing like a man possessed to try to make a bigger difference and again I don't think the FIBA game is as conducive to his skill set period um, but again you know what we saw today obviously you expect more from, from him offensively defensively he was still all over the place made a ton of hustle plays in the fourth quarter in particular 
Yeah, it, it is kind of funny that, you know, the the Greek coaching staff essentially in the second half turned him into a uh, hustle play, rebound, rim runner, and it was like, oh, wow, he, he would actually be really good at that. <laughs> like, he, he had, like, a play where he tipped a ball off the back of Anderson Verjao, uh, to like save a great possession. And it was just like, that was a really smart, how do you play? And if you asked him to be a role player, he'd be, he'd be really good at it. So uh, I, that was pretty interesting. Let's go to the opposite side of the spectrum uh, with international superstars on Um uh, Turkey like runs things through him. They run sets for him. Uh, they try to get him a ton of shots uh, in a bunch of different ways. And then, on top of that, Ursan still does all of his Ursan um, stuff, takes charges, gets tip-ins. Uh, he had a huge one late in regulation. I, I'm it, Watching Ursan transform into this every time he plays on the international stage is always just kind of... Uh, it's always fun to see because you know that it will never translate to the NBA. You, you will never have that same success. No team will ultimately decide that they're going to run everything through Ursan Ilyasova. And, you know, I, I thought today there was long stretches where Team USA decided to put Chris Middleton on him, and Middleton was just like, all right, enough of, enough is enough. I'm as big as Ursan. Like, this is, this is not going to happen anymore. Um, and, you know, found a way to you know, totally take him out of the game, but it, it is just kind of, uh, uh, it, Ur- shouldn't be able to be this good. And every, every time he's in an international competition, he is like, that's just, that's just how it is. And he didn't even shoot a lot of threes today either. That was probably the most interesting part, right? He's, he was basically doing yeah. most of his damage from, from two point range. Um, but yeah, I mean, my, I have a long history of, uh, uh, I mean, I can remember, well, it was, I think it was like the European under 20 tournaments. Like I didn't watch like full games. Cause I mean, nobody had access to that kind of stuff at the time in like 2007, 2008 or whenever, you know, or, no, no, it was even before that. Cause he was drafted 05. So it was probably in those first couple of years. Um, but I remember watching like video compilations of him and I was like, Oh, what, what is this guy going to be? Right. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean, I remember, you know, Turkey going to, um, what what year was it that uh, Turkey lost in the final to Durant and the U.S. in the World Cup? Was that like ten or eleven? Yeah, okay. I'm trying to. I, I'm trying to think what year World Cups would have been or World Championships were. Really yeah, been. I think 2010. Yeah, think and, and he was very good in that tournament as well. Um, and you know, again, like he, there's just a lot of familiarity. I mean, it's it's just funny. I mean, sometimes it's just like a different sport in terms of FIBA basketball. I mean, Luis Scola, who's 39, had like a 20 and. 15 game or something like that the other day for Argentina as well. And um, again, I mean, I just remember, um, I remember Scola just like giving it to Andrew Bogut back when Bogut was with the Bucks, and I would root for him and watch him with Australia. And ironically, Bogut has obviously sort of discovered his kind of FIBA best life um, sort of as he has aged. And, you know, when you mentioned kind of the FIBA big men who can kind of defend and kind of, you know, pass from the post and, and kind of hit cutters and stuff like that. Like that has kind of become what Bogut is um, done, does it so well for Australia. Um, but, you know, in the early days of his international career, I, I remember at least a couple games where Luis Scola, who again, like was a good player in his prime in the NBA, but still, I mean, you 
thought of Andrew Bogut as better than Luis Scola. <laughs> uh, didn't matter. Like Scola just, I don't know, seemed to own him. And uh, yeah, even now things, uh, things, uh, you know, the time, time moves on, but Luis Scola continues to put up numbers in, uh, in international play, even with, even with all the other guys from that Argentina greatest generation, you know, Manu, Carlos Delfino, uh, Fabricio Alberto, who can forget about Fabricio Alberto? Um, even with those guys retiring, and you know, he's just still out there um, putting up putting up numbers. But um, yeah, Ursan kind of is what he is. Um, you know, I don't expect him. And internationally, he's a star. Yeah, he is. I don't expect it. You know, and again, like as we said, I don't. I don't think this means Ursan's going to be better than he was last year for the Bucks. Again, he's getting older. If he can be the player he was last year, that's probably something you'd be happy with, you know, and I was looking at his numbers again. I mean, a lot of his numbers for the most part, like per minute stuff were very much in line with his career averages. I mean, he's been a remarkably consistent player over the course of his career. And even as he's aged, um, you know, even with the rumors that he's potentially three years older than his listed age, uh, he's, he's aged well, you know, fine. Uh, the fine wine of Ursan um, is, uh, is, has been, been a thing. He, uh, he actually held up pretty well last year and, um, with one more year guaranteed left on his contract, obviously, hey, you know, if some some team some team sees their son putting up balling out in in FIBA and wants to uh, make the Bucks an offer for that last year eight million dollars, uh, go right ahead. Uh, who knows? But um, but either way, you know, uh, he's your uh, son is what he is, and um, I'm sure you know as long as he keeps showing up for for uh, Turkey, he's going to keep doing this. So we've talked about Brook Lopez and how this U.S. team just. I mean, I. It was Mike Prada today on Twitter had mentioned the fact that the 2015 version of Lopez would probably actually be a lot more helpful than the 2019 version of Lopez, which I thought was interesting because this this U.S. team just doesn't get into the paint. Um, but alas, he's he's not that version of himself anymore. He's he's a three point shooting version, and it's just something that Team USA doesn't really have the guard play or dynamic wing play to take advantage of. So he's kind of got lost in the shuffle and, you know, that's kind of that. But um, Middleton, I think, is kind of interesting because uh, in the in the FIBA game, you can go so small. And there was times where he was playing uh, the five today. And uh, you can just kind of get away with that because there aren't, teams that have bigs that can really take advantage and uh, i don't know i just think this is a really interesting tournament for chris because he can end up playing the five he can end up playing the four i thought there was a good chance he was going to start at the start of this tournament that's not how they're using him but um one thing that you know i think we've seen with team usa over the years is that it, it doesn't always have to be their starters that win games it's sometimes the second unit where you can really truly find the advantages because other teams don't have the same depth. They don't have the ability to are off the bench. <laughs> yeah, like they just don't like that. That's just not how it's Serbia be. apparently bringing Jokic off the bench. But yes, that that is a, not a normal thing for sure. And and because of that, there's oftentimes where the second units of Team USA squads are, are kind of where this takes, uh, where they take hold and where they get they really grow their leads and really pull away from teams. And I think that's an interesting spot for Chris to be in. Because that uh, that can be a kind of a role that suits him. Like he, there was some pick and roll play from him today. Um, there was a play where he ended up setting a screen for Miles Turner, popping him open for three. There was a, a buzzer beater at the end of the first quarter. There was uh, 
they they ran him a little curl for him for a mid ranger. Like it just feels like you know there probably is an opportunity here for Chris to to be a really impactful player, even though he's not starting, but really have an impact on how Team USA does here. Um, even if he isn't necessarily starting, and he sort of finished today's game, but then also sort of didn't. So you know maybe he's a, a key bench player that also ends up finishing in closing some games and all of a sudden you have a, you know, you have a, a guy that really ends up uh, putting his stamp on, on an international competition. Well, and we should say, I mean, there's a good reason why he hasn't been starting is because he was really bad <laughs> for, for long stretches yeah, of, uh, absolutely. of, uh, of the team USA sort of exhibition and, and uh, in the first game uh, of, of the tournament. I mean, he has not differentiated himself. He's not hit shots not really shown uh, a reason to, to be starting. And, um, you know, again, I mean, you look at the other guys who are kind of in that mix. I mean, you know, the likes of Jason Tatum, Harrison Barnes, right? I mean, um, you know, we're not talking about, like, world beater, like, next level kind of tier one talents, obviously. Um, you know, I think, I think the you know, when, when I think about Team USA, I mean, for me, it's like, Kemba Walker is sort of clearly kind of the most upsidey guy who can like go out and be like what resembles a star, especially on the international stage, given, you know, his abilities as a, as a ball handler and, and shooter. Um, but other than that, I mean, it's kind of a, you know, up for grabs in terms of kind of who else steps up. And, you know, we've seen guys at times, I mean, there's been like some crazy amounts of Donovan Mitchell hype. You know, there's always like the Jason Tatum people kind of, you know, projecting what they want uh, to Tatum. Um, and, you know, again, like you look at today's game, ironically, you know, Middleton ends up being a leading scorer after being bad for the first, for the first period of, of all these team USA games. And some of the guys that had been playing better, like really kind of had clunkers. So, um, so I don't know, we'll see. I mean, there's yeah. no reason why Chris shouldn't be a, a you know a strong contributor for this team. I mean, there's, there's two all-stars on this team, Kemba Walker and Chris Middleton. You know, I, I think there was a, uh, an article on the ringer the other day where they were talking and it was like, Oh, there's only one all-star on this team. Of course, forgetting that Chris Milton was actually an all-star <laughs> last year. Um, so it kind of is what it is, but um, yeah, certainly, I mean, you know, the nature of his game, I mean, you know, look, he's a skilled player who doesn't have a ton of, you know, explosive athleticism. Those guys often can, can play at a very high level in uh, international play. Although ironically, yeah. you know, those are kind of not the typical like team USA guys, right? I mean, you know, especially in the Olympics, we think about Team USA being stacked with guys who are both, you know, high-level scorers and insane athletes, and they just do everything because they're, you know, the superstars of superstars who who often have played for Team USA. So, um, so yeah, he's uh, he definitely has a chance to to be a real contributor, but um, you know, we'll see. I mean, I, again, I think with Chris, I, again, I don't really put much of any good or bad. I don't, you know, think Chris playing well today really says anything particularly meaningful. Um, I'm more just happy for Chris, the person that, you know, he was able to kind of break out of his funk and hit those big free throws to, to help Team USA win. Um, so again, it's all about health. And I think with Chris too, I mean, he's talked about it. Like he's admitted to not being in shape at times, uh, at the start of seasons, he's had some slow starts, um, to seasons where there's been questions raised about him and obviously signing a $178 million contract this summer he's going to be even more scrutinized than usual for understandable reasons. And so I think with him, I think there's a, you know, again, I think this experience matters a ton, not necessarily a ton, but um, 
you know, I think there's something to be said maybe for maybe getting some competitive basketball maybe under his legs early in the summer uh, or early in the fall than, than maybe he's used to. I don't know. You know, again, I'm just kind of a guessing game. Um, but uh, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, certainly him rounding into form, playing better as the tournament goes on. I mean, there's no downside to that, even if I don't think it, you know, says much about whether Chris is going to be better or worse or, or whatever compared to last year. Yeah, and it was funny. I know when Ken and I were talking to Steve Kerr about Brooke Lopez while we are in Australia, you know, he mentioned the fact that uh, Brooke wasn't in the best shape when he got to camp, uh, that uh, he wasn't really hitting many shots when he first got there because, well, he just wasn't in shape. So I don't think that's at all crazy to say that that can be a, a helpful thing for guys to, to really be ready to go and, and be, be prepared for a season when, when it comes to it. So, um, yeah. I think that's a nice little rundown of the FIBA action, kind of uh, what's going on there. Uh, other than what that, a, wait, we, 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 we haven't talked about the fifth buck, the NASA Sedeta Kumbo. Yeah, yeah, you, you, you're right. I, we haven't. I, I, I can say that um, I did see the game. It was, uh, I believe, against Serbia where he hit, I want to say, four three-pointers, yep. um, including a late game-tying three, which was fun, and Giannis and him had a pretty terrific leaping chest bump. Uh, of course, they eventually lost that game, uh, that exhibition. But um, I don't think I have learned much of anything about the Nasus. Um, he doesn't have a bad-looking shot. It just doesn't go in very much, with the exception of that one game. So I don't, again, I, as far as expectations for what we see here and what that means for the NBA, I'd say nothing uh, nothing meaningful i've learned that when he does have those good shooting days i will have people in my mentions telling me that i should not have been so pessimistic about his shooting and that he can actually shoot um so i'm looking forward to all those days because that always that's always fun when you know someone has a good day to to remind people who said in aggregate they're not great that they were wrong but Ultimately, they're probably not wrong. Um, so, yeah, that, that'll be fun. That'll be fun this entire year to keep hearing people tell me that he can shoot. And maybe he can, and that, w- that would be great. Um, it would be a fantastic development, and I think it would speak to just how good uh, the Bucks' developmental staff could be. Um, but I, I'm not going to hold my breath on that one. So Hey, here, here's, a, here's a, an alternate conspiracy theory. So maybe the Bucks didn't just sign the Nassus so that Giannis would – Resigned for the Supermax, maybe they also wanted to give Giannis the experience of being able to be around and play with his brother so that he wouldn't have to go play for Greece during the summers <laughs> moving forward. Not bad. I don't know. We'll see. That's not bad, Frank. I, I like I like where your head is. Uh, we can get the tinfoil hats on and, and really try to hammer this one out going forward. Uh, but yeah, that that is enough for us for today. Uh, we are happy to be back. Um, we've Again, there's not a whole lot else going on, but, you know, we are just a, a couple weeks away. Um, so, you know, maybe we can dig in a little bit more on, you know, what this season may hold and, and what this Bucks team might look like uh, going forward. So uh, all of that coming up for you guys in the coming weeks. But for now, I'm Eric Name. That was Frank Mann. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We'll talk to you guys later.